Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. The state of California has agreed to spend billions of dollars to help the students who were most affected when schools closed their doors at the outset of the pandemic in 2020. The settlement ends a three-year-old lawsuit brought by families of students in Los Angeles and Oakland. When I found out that there was like private tutoring offered to other school districts, knowing that that was something that we didn't have, that really got me mad. What's the significance of the settlement and how will it help students catch up? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. Maria O has four kids, and back in 2020, they were all living in a one-bedroom apartment in South LA. Maria O isn't her real name. She's using pseudonyms for herself and her kids to protect her family's privacy. When the COVID pandemic began, Maria's daughters Megan and Matilda were in kindergarten and third grade in Los Angeles Unified. They gave us one iPad for the two kids, and it didn't work. It didn't connect to the internet at home, and it was just not functioning right. So Megan and Matilda started using their parents' phones to connect to classes on Zoom. It was difficult, though. They needed constant supervision, especially Megan, who was five at the time. Once a teacher thought she was sleeping and kicked her out of the Zoom class, when Maria tried to contact the teacher to get her to let her back in, she couldn't get through. At the same time, Maria was having to connect to her own Zoom sessions for her job. I needed, you know, quiet and peaceful environment to conduct those mediations on Zoom. Uh, So definitely it was a struggle to work around their schedule and my schedule, you know, to be able to coordinate everything. So it was definitely a stressful time. Maria saw her kids struggling. They weren't socializing with other kids, and they weren't learning much through the few hours of Zoom classes on their parents' phones. So she turned to a local group, Community Coalition, for help. They got them laptops, and they paid for private tutoring with Kumon. We didn't even have to ask for it. They already knew what our kids needed, so they just offered that to us. So that was definitely life-saving. But Maria felt the district should be doing more to help all kids. She was worried about other kids in her neighborhood, kids who didn't have a parent with a college degree, who couldn't buy them school supplies, or who didn't know where to turn for help. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, billions of dollars to help kids struggling from learning loss. Maria noticed some kids weren't showing up in Zoom classes at all. When they did, they were struggling. It was very apparent that they were lacking a lot of help that they needed. So that's how I noticed by the lack of them showing up to the class and the lack of them being able to respond to the questions that were asked and just interacting with the teacher. To Maria, this was a call to action. My community is very important to me, and those kids were my community. It was definitely something hard to witness. When I found out that there was like private tutoring offered to other, you know, school districts, and you know, knowing that that was something that we didn't have, that really got me mad about the resources available for our kids. So she decided to fight for those kids. Maria O's family was one of several from Oakland and L.A. who joined a lawsuit filed in November 2020 by the nonprofit law firm Public Counsel against the state of California, the State Board of Education, the California Department of Education, and Superintendent of Public Instruction Tony Thurmond. 
My colleague John Fensterwald has been covering the lawsuit since it was first filed. Hi, John. Hi, Zadie. John, can you walk us through what the families of these students were saying the state did wrong in November 2020 when the lawsuit was first filed? Right. This was filed six months after COVID started, and we had gone back to school, sort of, in remote learning, most of the state. And so public counsel, who brought the suit on behalf of 15 families, 15 students in Oakland and Los Angeles, said that, wait a minute, this is really unfair and and disproportionate for students who don't have computers, they don't have really good setups at home, and they may be back in distance learning, but it's not going well, particularly for these two districts and lots of districts in the state. That doesn't meet the constitutional obligation to provide an equal opportunity to an education for all California students. So they brought that lawsuit and demanding that the state take action to remedy this And so it took three years until this point, three years plus until where we are today. So why did they sue the state, you know, the Department of Education, the superintendent of public instruction, rather than the specific school districts? Yes, because the argument was that it's a state responsibility that there is this basic obligational constitutional right of all children to have equal access to an opportunity. You just can't rely on saying, well, it's local control, or as the state argued, we provided uh, webinars to tell people how to do distance learning. We provided lots of money, which they did, although not by November 2020. Billions of his dollars came in 21, 22 into 23. But at that point, there we lacked resources as well. And that was the state's response. We did our share. We did webinars. We provided the dollars. And by this time, a couple of years later, most students had access to a computer. So that was my next question, John. Was this lawsuit started in November 2020? Was that a bit premature? I mean, as the lawsuit dragged on, schools eventually went back to in-person classes, although you know, a year, almost a year later, like you said, federal money came in for COVID, the state put some money in. What changed as the lawsuit dragged on? And did that change the lawsuit at all? Well, actually, probably strengthened it because what happened was in November 2020, we were saying they're not getting an equal opportunity to learn. And by 2022-23, we had evidence that, in fact, they didn't. And the impacts on students were disproportionate, particularly for low-income students, black students, and, and Latino students. So the evidence was collecting that this accumulative loss of learning from started in the spring of 2020 continued through chronic absences. And we got scores back in 2022, 2023. And the state said, for its defense, it said, well, basically, yes, we acknowledge that students had a loss of learning, but everybody was affected relatively equal. All students fell in their scores roughly five to seven percentage points. And the plaintiffs hired an expert, particularly Andrew Ho, maybe one of the nation's most foremost statisticians on education. And what he said was, state, you chose a method that made it look equal, but in fact it wasn't. And if you looked at individual students' growth over time, as you could do, uh, it would show you that 
black students and Latino students actually lost more in learning loss in math and reading than the state as a whole. John, can you explain a little bit more? What was the different methodology? The state chose a common method that we see on the California School Dashboard, which is to compare the growth over one year to the next, how many students actually met the standard, how many students were above that or how many students were below that. And they said it was roughly the same decline for all groups. What Andrew Ho said was that students get individual scores and they're many points below standard or near standard. And so what you want to do is measure how the students did over time, whether they moved up towards standards or whether they fell further behind. That's, that is a more fine and accurate measure of how students are doing. Latino and black students and low-income students declined farther than the state as a whole. And so the important decision was in November 2023 when uh, a judge and Superior Court was asked to dismiss the case by the state. And the judge said, no, I'm not dismissing it. There's plenty of evidence here. We should go to trial. Because of that, we started having negotiations for a settlement. And that's where we are today. Why do you think they, they came to a settlement rather than go to trial? Going to trial is expensive. You never know what the outcome will be, and you never know how quite how long it will take. I think that the public council in negotiating with the governor's office and, and California Department of Education said, look, this is really the last big pot of money for learning loss. We have spent a lot, including the last federal portion, which is the biggest one of all. It expires this September. This particular pot of money called the Learning Recovery Block Grant, it's a state grant, And it's $6.3 billion, and you can use it for the next three years. That's a huge opportunity. We don't want this to slip by. So let's see if we can reach an agreement that we set conditions for the use of this money that would benefit the kids whose learning suffered the most. Okay. And so what exactly does the agreement say, and how much money is it, and who will it go to? $6.3 billion was the original grant from a year ago, two years ago, actually. And we don't know how much has been spent. At least it was hard to get an estimate from the state. And we're facing a perhaps a big budget cut in May because revenues are falling. So part of the deal was no matter what you cut, if you have to cut in education, you're going to preserve at least $2 billion for this solution. And what this solution is, is to put many more conditions on the use of that money and to require that they go towards proven strategies such as tutoring and other things, strategies that evidence has shown works. And you just can't, you know, put it on and say, well, I'm going to use it for teacher training or I'm going to use it for textbooks. It really has to be targeted for the kids who need it the most in strategies that work. It can't just be used for all students in the district. That's the point. Yes, the block grant could be used as currently written for all students. And this says, no, what's remaining in the block grant must be used, targeted for these particularly low-performing students. The settlement won't benefit Maria O's kids. She and her family moved to Texas in 2022, fed up with the cost of housing in California. She says her kids are thriving there. Megan, who was a kindergartner when COVID hit in 2020, is now nine. She's gotten into track and doing the high jump. She made the Texas state finals last year. When she grows up, 
She wants to either be a high jump athlete, a doctor, or a teacher. Maria's older daughter, Matilda, is now 12. She's an accomplished baile folklorico dancer, and she also wants to be an architect. Maria O still thinks about her community in South LA, though. She's cautiously hopeful about the settlement. You know, hopeful that the settlement will alleviate some of the, you know, things that were disproportionately wrong with, you know, the LAUSD and other school districts in California. So I'm very hopeful that that's going to be, you know, impacting the, the children that it's supposed to impact the ones that got hit hardest with COVID. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools, a production of EdSource. You can find John's story at edsource.org. Special thanks to our guest, Maria O oh, and reporter John Fensterwald. Our CEO is Ann Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the S.H. Cowell Foundation and the Dirk and Charlene Cabsonell Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join us next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.